Welcome to Well Connected with Dr. Joe Kavidar, a podcast series from Partners Connected Health. I'm your host, Joe Kavidar. Join me for interesting and thought-provoking conversations with the leaders, disruptors, and innovators who are redefining the future of technology-enabled health and wellness. We have a unique and exciting opportunity as we focus on the upcoming 2019 Connected Health Conference here in Boston. Partners Connected Health is honored to be the organizing partner for this world-class event, and I'm proud to serve as program chair. For this season of Well Connected, we're excited to bring you a special collection of episodes highlighting this year's keynote speakers. Each episode will not only feature a stimulating conversation with a noted thought leader, but will provide a sneak preview into their up and coming keynote presentation as well. Our guest today is Dina Katabi, MIT professor and director of the Center for Wireless Networks and Mobile Computing at MIT. Professor Katabi is also the co-founder of Emerald Innovations, where she and students have developed the world first Wi-Fi-like box that can monitor vital signs without any wearables. She demonstrated the Emerald device in her 2018 TED Talk, A New Way to Monitor Vital Signs That Can See Through Walls. By capturing the reflections of signals like Wi-Fi as they bounce off people, the Emerald device was shown to detect physiological changes in a person such as movement, breathing, heart rate, and sleep stages without the need to wear any sensors or make behavioral changes. As a child, Katabi was fascinated by Star Wars, particularly the notion of the force, the energy that allows one to feel people and objects that one can't see. This fascination may have inspired her to develop the Emerald as a scientist. We'll talk about that. According to her, this new force The force of wireless signals has the potential to change the management of chronic illnesses such as heart disease, Alzheimer's, or even depression. Doctors can use the Emerald to monitor and detect physiological changes and emergencies before they occur and intervene earlier so patients can have better outcomes and avoid hospitalization. Professor Katabi received her Bachelor of Science from the University of Damascus in 1995 and her Master's and PhD in Computer Science from MIT in 1998 and 2003, respectively. In 2013, her work was honored with a MacArthur Fellowship Award, incredibly prestigious award, and in 2017, she was elected to the National Academy of Engineering. I would say that's an equally impressive award. I'm thrilled that Professor Katabi will also be presenting at the Connected Health Conference October 16th through 18th and bring our content up a notch for sure. Uh, this conference is in Boston, hosted by HIMSS and the Personal Connected Health Alliance and Partners Connected Health. I hope you can join us this year as our conference theme will be Designing for Healthy Habits and Better Outcomes, and I'm sure our guests will have much to say on that topic. Professor Katabi, thank you for being here today on Well Connected. Uh, so thanks, Joe, for the amazing intro. So you built a system that passively collects data without requiring an individual to wear a device, record their daily activity, food intake, or other behaviors. 
This is really a significant advance in data collection, moving, as you've said before, beyond wearables to invisibles. Uh, and there are a number of important uses for this, uh, possibly in the home as well as the hospital, maybe in the nursing home and other care facilities. So I was completely fascinated when I heard about this and the enormous uh, potential to impact our health and wellness. Maybe describe a little bit more for our listeners how the system works and what you think the applications in healthcare are. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm also like very, in, like I'm, as you mentioned, I'm fascinated by the uh, this notion of the um, uh, the force in uh, Star Wars. And uh, one of the things that is really amazing, I, I come to healthcare, of course, I am an engineer, I am computer scientist, so I come to it from understanding of wireless signals and what they can do. And one of the amazing things about wireless signals, we all live in a sea of wireless signals. Like I'm sure like uh, you are surrounded by Wi-Fi, cellular, uh, like everyone around us uh, has wireless signals around them. And what happens with wireless signals is that everything that we do, uh, whether we breathe, uh, the, the breathing, the heartbeat, um, our movements, our sleep, everything impacts the electromagnetic waves around us. And um, my group at MIT, we were lucky to be able to uh, design machine learning algorithms that can look at the wireless signals and be able to interpret the physiological signals that affected them. So you are asking, how does this work? So at a very, very high level, we transmit very low power wireless signal and we listen to the reflection from the environment, kind of like radar, but it is much more complex than radar because I mean, radar, you have an empty sky and you are not asked to, uh, to, to analyze physiological signals. So we transmit a very, very low power, like uh, even like thousand powers lower than Wi-Fi uh, power. And uh, we interpret the reflected signal using machine learning. Now, of course, you need new uh, machine learning and neural network algorithms that are particularly customized to understand electromagnetic waves. But, but this is how it works at a very high level. Really interesting. So if I put, let's say we put one in, in uh, my home, uh, how long would it take for it to, to learn that uh, my, I live there with, with one other person and that we're different and, and uh, et cetera. How, how, what's the learning curve like? Yeah, so, so this is a very interesting thing because basically when we train these algorithms, we want to be able to take them to new homes and not to train them in that home. So effectively to, to be able to collect uh, your breathing, your heartbeats, your sleep, sleep stages, sleep apnea, it doesn't need any training in your home. But if you want the algorithm to be able to say, oh, this is Joe, and uh, this is, uh, I don't know who you have in your home, but let's say uh, your partner, your kids. So then it needs some extra information. It needs to observe you uh, for some time and create a classifier per person so that it separates the person of interest from the other people. But to collect the physiological signals, it comes trained already to do that. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. and I gather that uh, this is the, the commercial um, birth of this is Emerald Innovations. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and what the company is up to. Yeah, the startup. So um, 
So one of the things that we uh, realized very early on is that this is a new technology that really it needs the inventors to be able to uh, uh, move it uh, to commercialization and make it a product because of all of the different um, different aspects of the technology that are not easy just to, to grab by someone else. And also we are very much excited about uh, making a difference in healthcare and, and bringing this new technology to healthcare. So uh, we started a company to commercialize the technology. And uh, in fact, very early on when we started the company, one of the first things that happened is that we, uh, we presented to President Obama at the time mm -hmm. in the White House. And we, we showed a demo where, uh, uh, like, uh, some people from my team, uh, they uh, we showed him a fall and how we can detect a fall without a person uh, wearing anything on their body and how we can me measure breathing and heartbeats from a distance. So so the startup is, is, is like, a um, very exciting uh project or actually it's like the baby now for me <laughs> it's uh, really very excited about it and the, the idea is to bring this technology to the market but also really underlying this is to try to change how healthcare is done today by bringing new innovations from computer science and artificial intelligence yes that's probably the most exciting part uh, and I gather there's an application in clinical trials tell us a little bit about that yeah, so we work with so many people from uh, pharmaceutical companies and biotech. And uh, as you might know, so today when you develop a new drug, uh, you need to do clinical trials with people to uh, test the drug both for safety and for efficacy. Uh, but in many cases, particularly in, uh, let's take, let's take, let's make it concrete. Let's take, for example, Parkinson. So let's say that you are developing a drug for Parkinson. So today, to develop a drug for Parkinson, you bring the patients to what's called the site, like the clinic or the hospital. You do some measurements with them, and then you send them back home, and you can bring them back again after like uh, three weeks, say. And but there are so, like, there's so much data about how the drug is affecting the physiological signals, how it's affecting uh, their behavior, how um, how it's changing their life. And all of that, you don't know about it because, I mean, you are only monitoring or asking the, per the person questions or doing measurement when the person comes to the site. So with this device, you can continuously monitor the patients in their home, collecting more information about how the drug is affecting the patient. and both to, to, to see the efficacy of the drug, understand the responders from people who don't respond to the drug, and also monitoring for safety. So like this new notion of having virtual clinical trials where everything can be pushed as much as possible to the home and collect as much as possible information that would guide um, and your understanding of how the drug affects the patients. Is that your uh, best early market? I bet it is. Uh, yeah, so, so this is our beachhead, and uh, I'm, I'm really um, glad and really I, I feel that I um, I got lucky to, to, to be working with such great partners that I'm working with now, um, multiple pharmaceutical companies and also small biotech companies who are very interested and are using Emerald to, to understand diseases, also understand the impact of drugs on, on uh, patients' response to drugs. That's really exciting. One of the things that, that uh, comes up in all these discussions these days about uh, monitoring anything really is is uh, 
consumer or patient privacy concerns. What's what's been your uh, experience with that, and and how have you responded to it? Yeah, I'm actually glad that you asked this question because I think it's very, very important. Um, so as you realize, basically, we have a technology that's quite powerful, like a technology that can get your breathing and heartbeat through walls without any device on the patient's body. So it's like uh, with uh, such kind of technology, it's very, very important to actually have the responsibility and the understanding of how to use the technology in the best possible way to uh, to make progress and as, as a t- at, the, at the same time to prevent misuse of technology. And, and for that, we do many things actually. So uh, of course, the, the, the very basic thing is uh, we, uh, we, we, when we monitor people, uh, we monitor them according to a well-defined protocol and we get IOB approval and uh, we can send the patient, they understand exactly what's being monitored and uh, we, we use the data according to the agreement with the patients and what they agree to about how to use their data. But even beyond that, we also have mechanism to ensure, of course, that nobody, uh, both the security and the privacy of the data. So, of course, for security, everything is encrypted, uh, everything is anonymized, uh, any personal information is completely separated from the data stored separately. But also, we uh, we have technology that prevent people from use, misusing the data. For example, the, the device uh, we we have uh, worked on new technology that will allow the device to use the fact that it understands people and space and understand how they move so that it can have something called challenge response to make sure that you don't use the device to monitor other people. Hmm. That sounds like you really thought it through. I, it's a huge challenge. I think uh, at this point in history, I would. it's fair to say Facebook has done us a big disservice because now everyone is so worried about everything. I actually... Um, of the mind that we we have to monitor everything passively and then uh, have the right systems to um, to engage people around the right healthy behaviors based on that but I think I'm in unfortunately in the minority so I appreciate what you're doing and how well you've you've thought it through no, I think it's very important because at the end of the day monitoring is very important for advancing like in this case health but also in general I mean we want to be monitored you know various things about ourselves, about our environment, about our behavior, what we like, what we don't like, to have smart home, to have smart environment. So there are many, many reasons why you want uh, systems to collect information about you. But at the same time, that should not be in contradiction or in conflict with the fact that you as a user, you should own that information and you should have the right to decide what to do with it and how to use it. Yes, yes, indeed. So I want to ask you a couple of personal questions. You came from a family of medical doctors. Uh, your father, grandfather, and many of your aunts and uncles are doctors, I'm told. Uh, was it difficult for you not to study medicine? How did, uh, how did you go through that uh, journey? And uh, how did your family background influence your career? Actually, it was very difficult. <laughs> I, um, so uh, the country where I come from, there is no pre-med. And there is um, there is a national concourse, there is a national exam, and people who are the topper in that exam, kind of like by default, they end up in med school. So I, 
I ended up actually in med school. And of course, my whole family is like, I have to study medicine. Uh, and my dad in particular, and then I decided, oh, I cannot live my life without uh, physics and math. It's just, it's not me. So I switched from medical school to electrical engineering. And uh, my dad didn't talk to me for two years after that. And wow. it's only recently after I started working with doctors and I described to him what our device uh, does. Now he, he's convinced that it was a good decision. Gosh, the MacArthur Genius Award didn't do it for him? Uh, that, that helped a bit, but really, it's, like, <laughs> oh, that is a real, it's a doctor, it's just like really to him, it's, it's very important. Medicine is really how you can help people, how you think about people, and he, he sees his, like he values himself and his career through that lens. Mm -hmm. like, Doc, doctors are, and medicine is the most uh, noble thing to do. So to him, it was really important, I think. Well, we'll cut him a break, but uh, I think you've done quite well for yourself uh, uh, all the same. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to your presentation. And again, I want to thank you again for, for coming to the conference in October and and really uh, uh, lifting our content profile. Would you mind giving the listeners a bit of a preview of what you'll be talking about? Sure. So I'm going to propose the technology. So as you mentioned at the beginning, is it's kind of like a Wi-Fi box that sits in the background of the home and collects wireless signals. And from that, it can tell people breathing, heartbeat, gait, sleep stages. So I'll be showing uh, video demos of those uh, how we collect these uh, physiological signals, and also I will show some of our data from our uh, from some of the clinical trials that we uh, we have run with patients and what kind of new insight it gives us. Like for example, showing insights about uh, Parkinson patients, showing insights about the interaction between the caregiver and the patient, and like uh, when the when the patient takes their drugs, things that really complement the picture, not just the physiological metrics. Really, really, that sounds great. Just just what we had hoped. Uh, so of course, when, whenever I have someone like you uh, on the interview. I'm always interested in how others are perceiving the future. You're, you've coined a new term, uh, invisibles, which I absolutely love uh, having gone beyond wearables and, and uh, gone through that revolution myself and seen some of the pros and cons and frustrations of even getting people to wear stuff. So I'm, I'm thrilled with the term and, I, and I'll adopt it and give you credit. But from your perspective, with, with all of this uh, work that you're doing and you get such a interesting viewpoint on both healthcare and and uh, other applications. What do you see uh, in the near future and what can we expect uh, both from Emerald and, and uh, from this technology in general? Yeah, so I, I think the future is very exciting. I, I think we are at a uh, terrific time when we see the integration of computer science with healthcare. And I can tell you that the thing that really amazes me and I would love to be part of is really automating healthcare or automating the process, the things that are tedious and trivial and letting people focus, letting the doctors and the nurses focus on 
the uh, the more advanced things where they do amazing job. So if you think about it today, like when when the doc when the patient go to the doctor, they ask them many of these questions about like uh, how was your sleep, um, uh, how do you feel your heart, or are you panting? Has your breathing? Uh, what did you do? Uh, all of these things. So we can collect this information in completely automated way and remove the subjectivity from it. And not only this, like if you think about hospitalization, for example, in many cases we, we bring the patients uh, to the hospital or the ER, we keep them there so that we can monitor them, so that we can keep an eye on them in, in, a, in a way that uh, to protect them. So we can, if we can do more of that in the home, we can have much better healthcare. And what we know about healthcare, we know that um, the vast majority of the cost of healthcare comes from chronic diseases. And we know also in chronic diseases, many of the exacerbation that leads to the person ending up in the hospital actually are avoidable if we have early information so we can intervene early on and avoid those hospitalization or ER visit. So the way I imagine it is really to be able to integrate this passive monitoring, this like completely ambient and seamless monitoring of physiological signals of patients, so that particularly chronic disease patients, so that we can automate this whole process, we can detect changes in health, in health and any degradation, any problem, even potentially before it occurs and definitely before the patient end up in, in the in the emergency room or the hospital and avoid those hospitalization. The other thing that it will be even like the one step after that, I think, is when we start doing predictive an analysis. So not only seeing signs early on so that we can the doctor can intervene before the patient end up in the hospital, but actually once we have enough understanding because we are we have way more information now about diseases and exacerbations, we can start doing predictions. We can start saying, oh, this is, uh, if I see these signs, this is mean that this person is heading toward this exacerbation. And if we do this, this can avoid it. And we can, we can change dramatically the way the healthcare system react now I mean, from reactive and waiting for the patient to reach the stage where they are reaching out to the doctor to be preventative at at much, much earlier stage. So I think automating healthcare and uh, really like the way I look at healthcare when I visit a hospital or when I'm talking, it reminds me with of computer science, like I don't know, like in offices and uh, enterprises about 20, 30 years ago before we introduced computer science to the basics of what we do. Now, of course, doctors and hospitals use computers, don't misunderstand me, but they use it the same way as we use it in an office building. While what we want is really bringing computing, bringing uh, intelligence, bringing machine learning, and computer science in general to, to, to the core of what healthcare is about. And I think that can dramatically change healthcare. Well, everything you just said is, is sort of my uh, calling card for the last uh, 25 years, so I couldn't agree more. I. I do want to emphasize, though, how exciting. Hey, let's together, Joe. Yeah, let's let, let's talk about that uh, for sure. Uh, if you want a collaborator, uh, I'm I'm all ears. I do uh, want to emphasize the aspect that I think is of all that you said, and and it's all really exciting. The most exciting aspect is that idea that uh, we don't have to take a history anymore, and I, the the idea of 
having a patient come in and taking a history is so outmoded because as you point out, everything gets filtered through your cortex. You may or may not tell us the truth. It's not probably that you're trying to lie. It's just that your body and your mind uh, filter things. And if we just got a, a, a printout or, or a screenshot that said, these are your sleep, these are your heart rate, these are your, all those things uh, that we that we said, okay, well, let's talk about this record. I think that would be an enormous leap forward. So I look forward to to seeing the day when that can happen. Actually, let me also add one, one last thing. So if you look at the last decade and how much we achieved by understanding uh, the genome and uh, starting to understand how genes and having different genes impact diseases and uh, who gets a disease and who's not, we also, and we also know that behavior and uh, has a lot of whether somebody gets a disease or the progression in disease, but we don't have mechanism to do behavioral phenotyping now. And if we can collect this information about our physiological signal, about diseases, about patients, then you can start even thinking about the same way as we do with genomics, which is thinking about behavioral phenotyping, phenotyping and the impact of the environment, the behavior on the diseases and the progression of those diseases. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you for spending time today. So listeners, you've gotten it from a MacArthur Genius Award winner, an absolute wonderful individual to interview. And we're so excited to have you come speak at the conference in the fall. I look forward to seeing you, Dina, there and to seeing our listeners there. And thanks very much for spending the time today. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening to Well Connected with Dr. Joe Kavita. A special thanks from me personally to Tony McMillan, our engineer, and Lynn Josephson, our senior marketing manager for putting this series together. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more, visit our website at partners.org forward slash connected health, all one word. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Connected Health. For more episodes of our series, search Partners Connected Health on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.